Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, before we jump in today, let me just ask, if you're going to be at the AVMA convention in Washington, D.C. this week, uh, please come and say hi. If you're an Uncharted member, you are absolutely invited to the Uncharted Hullabaloo Hootenanny and Shindig that we will be holding. Check the community for all the details. I would love to see your smiling face there. And if you're not an Uncharted member, I would still love to hear your voice and say hello. If you see me out and about in the hallways, always feel free to say hi. Uh, let me know that you listen to the podcast. That just makes my day. If there's ever anything that we can do here on the podcast or at DrAndyWork.com or at Uncharted or anything to try to make your life and practice better, I'd like to know about it. We'll do our best, as always. Gang! Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and the feisty Stephanie. Thank you, next goss. (laughs) Oh my God, I love that one. And how appropriate for what we're talking about today. Next. Next. Thank you. Next, I'm so flipping grateful for you and your business. I'll fax your records to another veterinarian. <laughs> Thank you. Next, that's what I am talking about today. Oh my god! <laughs> I love it. Can you sing? Can you sing for us on every episode now? Oh man, that was about as good as I do. I am. I can't carry a tune in the bucket. I love music, and I. Oh man. I'm so bad. I, I, I would love to be a better singer. That's a thing <laughs> that I would change about myself. Let's unpack this thing. All right. Yeah. So last week we read a post from the book of face that laid out a veterinarian who had had a hard interaction with a client. I'm going to read it again here in a second. And we talked about dealing with angry clients, which honestly, that may have been one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. I really loved it. Um, I think if you haven't heard it, you should go back and check it out. It's great for front desk people to listen to, for techs to listen to, for doctors to listen to. Anybody who has to deal with angry clients, which is everybody, including the kennel people and the groomers. Um, Hopefully, if you've not had any training on angry clients um, and customer service like that, worth your time. So we did that. One of the caveats we put in that episode was we are talking about dealing with angry clients. They may be extremely angry. They are not, however, abusive. And so today we're going to talk about what happens when we cross over that line into abuse. And so I'm going to read the, uh, the, the post again just to give us some context and some, and some ideas. I am not saying this client in this post is being abusive. We'll discuss that. I'm not saying that. I don't want you to think, oh, my gosh, this is an example of abusive client. I just yeah. really like having some examples that are like clear that we can work off of. So I, I like that. That's why I want to use this post. And I also don't really want to have an, an example of a truly abusive client because it's just upsetting. And I think that we lose the ability to pick it apart and really make a plan because I've just, and I just don't want to wallow in the nastiness of it. And so I think this is a good one that we can work on. And, and talk strategy and learn from without being grossed out or angry or mm-hmm. upset. So that's why we're mm-hmm. doing this. All right. So we have our veterinarian and she says, we had to turn a client away because I was totally overbooked. The client came in today screaming at us that we couldn't be her vet because we couldn't see her right away and we need to stop seeing new clients. We've been open for only eight months. I tried to tell her that the particular day we turned her away, I was slam busy never took a break, not even for lunch, and was here until 9 p.m. that night, and it was literally impossible for me to see any more pets. All she could say was that we need to stop taking new clients. I even explained that we have, that if we have, I even explained that we have 1,000 clients. Even if I stop seeing new ones, I still can't see all 1,000 pets if they're all having emergencies on the same day. In the end, we just agreed to disagree, and I saw her pet on emergency. Gosh, I hate these conversations. This is why I have a punching bag in the hospital. <laughs> and I, I, I think 
I think this is a good one because I think it stuck out to both you and I that this could very easily become an abusive client because um, it started out with the client came in screaming at us. And I think that that's a really easy example of where do you have a behavior from a client that is that is unacceptable? And it's really easy for us to over dramatize. And let's be real, we we deal with with frustrated clients um a lot in veterinary medicine because it's an emotional um, it's an emotional field for us and for the clients and so there can be a lot of times where we can tend towards the overdramatic and we actually have a a client who is pretty calm and, and rational but is upset about something where I've been told oh my god there's a super hacked off client in the lobby I need you to come deal with this right away where when I actually talk to them they're pretty calm and rational like yes they're angry about something that happened but they're not actually um they're not actually screaming at us but if you have a client and and I've been there where they are literally screaming at your front desk team in the lobby like that is an abusive um or potentially abusive abusive situation and I think that needs to be handled in a little bit different of a fashion than what we talked about last week when we talked about how do you how do you deal with angry clients um, and how do you move them through a process of resolution? Yeah, no, I I, com- I completely agree. So let's just start and say the, the decision to fire clients is is not easy, and these are shades of gray, and that's what makes it so hard because you say, well, yes, they said this, but they were really upset, and is that abuse, and should I not see them anymore? And I see people on on who are way too far in both directions here. I definitely see people who let their staff be abused or they take abuse themselves and they don't fire these clients. And that is wrong. And that is a problem. And I am here to try to dissuade you of that behavior today for your benefit and for your staff's benefit. However, I do see some people on the other side, and these are much more rare, but I definitely see some people who are maybe a little bit quick to um, to just jettison someone who is upset or angry. And like, Mm -hmm. well, she was yelling and you go, well, her pet died under anesthesia today Mm -hmm. and no, she wasn't graceful. And she said some really hurtful, awful things, but you know, I, maybe we can empathize and this is not her standard behavior. And, you know, maybe people get forgiveness. There is a thing called mercy too, you know, and, and again, That's why this is so hard is trying to parcel those things apart. I always start out talking about angry clients, uh, telling the story of, I I met this veterinarian and he, uh, he was in Texas and he, he was at the end of his career and, uh, he'd been, he, he came up to me and he said, you know, I've been a vet for 50 years and there was one client I couldn't reason with. I just couldn't reason with this guy. And he was just so mad. And we kept going back and forth and back and forth. And finally he ended and he said, the next time you hear from me, it's going to be through my lawyer. And the guy stormed out. 45 minutes later, the lawyer calls and he says, hey, listen, that guy, he's, that's my buddy. He's going through a divorce. He's mad at everyone. You're the third person I've called today. Don't (laughs) worry. I'll talk to it. Nothing's going to happen. He's just. He's not handling this well. And again, that's Texas. And the guy's a 50-year career. So who knows? I'm assuming this was a long time ago. But I love that story because yeah. here's this guy who's completely unreasonable. We don't know what people are going through in their home life, right? We do not. And everyone's fighting a battle we don't know anything about. And the other thing that I'll say that we talked about last week, hurt people hurt people. Yes. Hurt people hurt people. And so that that's a part I always like to put up at the, at the very front. The other mm-hmm. part I like to put up at the very front is that a lot of times we may have toxic clients. Often we made them. Mm-hmm. We made these people. And so let me say what I mean by that. I cannot tell you how many people I have talked to who have said, Dr. Rourke, we've got this terrible client. Every time he comes in, he yells and he raises his voice and, and then we give, and, and, and he's just horrible to deal with. And I say, what do you do when he raises his voice? And they say, we give him a discount. He hasn't paid full price since 1988. And I say, <laughs> Is, okay. Okay. 
So every time he comes in, he raises his voice and he yells, and you give him a discount. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, you made that person. <laughs> you, like, I, I believe people are simple animals. I do. I think what we know about training dogs, we can generally apply to people. And I don't mean that to be slanderous to anybody. That's just, I believe that all people, I don't care if you're a DVM, PhD, MD, you're a simple animal. And positive reinforcement, it works. At some point, this person probably came in and they got upset and they raised their voice and they were given a discount. So what are they going to do the next time they come in? They're like, well, the last time I got irritable, I was rewarded for that behavior. And there are people that we have rewarded them again and again and again. And so they're just going to keep hitting that food pellet bar to get it to get their reward. And so we train them. If you come in and you're horrible to us, we will do nice things for you. Or we yes. will give you what you want. And guys, that is a behavior. And you can say, is that an abusive person? Is that a toxic person? I don't think that's a productive conversation. I don't care. Uh, they are awful. We made them that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We still have to deal with this problem. Mm-hmm. And we're going to deal with it the same way. But the first thing that I want to do is call that out and say, when you have a client who's being awful, is it because you made them that way? Especially if this is a chronic ongoing thing. So just File that away and put it in. Right now, across the nation, uh, across North America, and a few people in Australia and the UK, and one guy in Brazil who listens for reasons I don't understand, a lot of people's heads just exploded because they had the toxic client they hated that just drives them nuts. They're like, oh, we totally made that guy. We, We totally trained that guy to treat us like crap. Oh, my God. It's totally true. <laughs> it's totally, so, it's totally okay so those, those are my go-to things that like just put them on the table before we get started because they are important do you yeah. have any uh high level headspace things to add to that yeah i think i think um the thing for me is that we we probably can relate to this client's feelings like when when i read this my thought was okay this is a client who's worried about their pet like you said, sometimes they're scared. Sometimes you have a, a pet who dies under anesthesia and that owner is scared. They are fearful of of the care that their pet received. They are fearful of anesthesia. They are emotional. They are hurt. There's all of these things going on. And we can all empathize with that. It is perfectly understandable that you have um, irrational behavior in that situation what is not understandable and what is not okay is when clients have um, inappropriate vocabulary, when they are have are very aggressive with your team, particularly if they're physically aggressive. Um, and in this case, the demands to not see new clients. I mean, that is completely irrational response to a rational concern, right? Yeah, totally. No, I completely agree. So separating those things apart can be hard. Mm-hmm. I have four criteria that I put out that I use sometimes as a checklist. Mm-hmm. And so the four things for me, and again, let me get again, abuse is difficult to define. Um, it, it often exists in the eye of the beholder, meaning the person who is being dealt with may feel abused. And, that, and that, that's real for them, you know? And so I, I don't want this to be a list you where you say, well, my thing is not on the list or he didn't address this particular manifestation. This is hard. It is hard to define abuse. And I think anyone knows that who's uh, ever felt, felt abused. It is, is difficult to just put it in black and white and, and articulate except in, in extreme circumstances. Okay. But here's the thing that this, this helps me. Okay. So the four things for me, a threat of physical violence, no one should threaten you or anyone on your staff. If they threaten to come back with a gun, which I've had happen, if they mm-hmm. threaten, uh, you know, physically attacking, assaulting you, that is not okay. Uh, that person does not get your attention. They, they, that's not acceptable. Can I say too, from a manager perspective and from a practice owner perspective, like that is a full stop. No, if there is someone who is threatening, whether they're re- threatening in writing, they're on the phone, they're. God forbid, in your lobby threatening physical violence against any member of your team, 
every single member of your team should know how to deal with that and should know that that is a full stop no and that they're absolutely empowered to pick up the phone and call the police and get help in that situation because it is it is not okay and no one needs to be harmed by a client coming to work. Totally. Um, I will tell you, I so someone did say that to me one time. I was working at a, at a practice in the, in the deep south and uh, I turned around to the team. I was like, hey guys, this person says he's going to come down here and go to jail. And half the technicians went to their cars and came back with bulges under their scrubs. And I was like, I don't know if I feel more safe or less safe. I think it's the latter. So I just, <laughs> I wanted that, that whole situation just need to end. This is not how we're going to practice medicine. This is a full stop. We're, we're done with this person. This, this relationship's over for everyone's safety. This is over. Uh, so oh, I love, man. I love, I love living in the South. I love it. But boy. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I remember the first time that I had a conversation with a team member who was like, oh, yeah, I, I have a gun with me at work. And and I was just like, oh, man. And I, I never really thought about it that way. But I think from a management perspective, um, even if I am in a state where that is um, an acceptable choice and I want my team to feel empowered and if that if empowers them, great. And I still say that this is a full stop situation where you need to involve professionals and and leave it to yeah. leave it to the professionals. And so I want every every member of of my team to feel like that. I don't want them to feel like, well, we didn't call the police because you weren't here, and we figured you were the one who had to call, or one of the doctors had to be free to call. Pick up somebody there. You need to have a code. You need to have a plan. Um, and it's it's really sad that we have to think about that. And it it hurts my heart because we're all in this profession because we care about animals. We're compassionate, caring people, and no one wants to think about being in danger at work. But if there is a, a threat of, of physical violence or if a client is carrying out um, physical violence and even just, I, I mean, I, I have been there where I have had clients in the lobby and they're ranting. I think in the last episode, you know, you, you gave the example where a client, you know, picks up the treat jar and is hucking it out the window. Like if they are wrecking things, even if they're not being physically violent towards a person, if they are being physically violent towards an animal in your lobby or oh, if they're yeah. being physically violent with your property, that's, that's a full stop. No, for me, like everybody needs to be able to pick up the phone and, and call the police department and know what the process is too. I agree. So all, so all sort of joking or kidding aside, um, period end of, end of story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Physical violence, physical threats, um, I, I agree. I definitely, uh, physical violence towards an animal. You, I'm not only I'm calling the cops. I'm also calling animal control. Yeah. Uh, not. Nope. 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 So that's number okay, one. So that, yeah, that's number one. So what's number two? All right, harassment using vulgar or inappropriate language, and this is the big gray area. You know, mm -hmm. um, this this is the the big gray area. When this is when we get into racial slurs, you know, homophobia. Um, it, it just even just how horrible of a thing does someone say to fall into the abuse category? Again, it, it's in the eye of the beholder. This is really hard to pin down. But harassment using vulgar or inappropriate language, uh, that, that's definitely on my list. Number three is threats of retaliation if demands are not met. If someone says to you, you're going to do this or else I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. That to me crosses that line often into abuse. In mm -hmm. if it is, you're gonna do what I want, or I'm going to tell everyone that you're the worst vet and I'm gonna write this review, or you're gonna do this, or I'm going to uh, uh you, you know, what whatever their their threat is going to be. That mm -hmm. that kind of feels like blackmail. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I I don't like that. That's not how we do business. I'm not going to work with someone who's going to threaten me and give me ultimate. Mm -hmm. And I think another one that that I have come across multiple times in my career that that falls into this category for me is that um, when the threat of a lawsuit comes up, um, that that for me here is is falls into retaliation, and that's a that's a full stop for for me. If a client is, you know, I'm gonna. You know, I'm going to file a report with the um, 
medical board, I'm going to contact my attorney. Then I immediately say, you know what? I completely understand what you're saying. And I think that this conversation needs to stop and any further communication needs to go through our practice attorney, because that's an area where I feel like we just need to protect ourselves. And you have, you know, probably eight times out of 10, it doesn't go anywhere. But I think that that is where they need to understand that it's not acceptable because it is there. And there are people out there who use it as a form of, of retaliation if you're not going to meet their demands. And that that is inappropriate to me. Totally. A great examples. So that's threats of retaliation if demands are not met. Completely agree. And then the last one is continued insistence that unrealistic demands be met, even when the client is aware that these requests are unreasonable. So Mm -hmm. this is someone who, uh, so we close at six o'clock and we see our last appointment at 530. If we had a client that showed up at 555 and demanded to be seen on a recurrent basis, uh, you know, they show up one time, they demand to be seen. That's just an angry client. If this is something where this person is going to demand to be seen at unreasonable hours or they're pitching a fit because we won't come out to their house or whatever, and they are being told this is not reasonable and they continue to push these things, at some point, it is time for us to sever our relationship with this client. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this, for me, um, this one is a really good example of where the example that we are using in this case, the client was n- was not abusive, right? So, right. so the, she she did give an unrealistic demand that you stop seeing she new did. clients because you couldn't see her. But but the vet said, you know, in the end, we we agreed that we were going to disagree, and um, and so I think that this this client probably was not in the abusive I would fire them category because I uh, you know. I would guess that when walked away from the situation and calmed down, any rational person would be like, maybe that was kind of an unrealistic demand. Um, you know, so I, I think it's the continued insistence is the important part of that. Exactly right. It's it's the ongoing, this is a problem every time this person comes in. That That's exactly it. So those are sort of my four criteria. The hard part, as I said, this is really in shades of gray. One thing that has helped me get my head around where are we? Is this a, an abusive client or is this a toxic client that should be let go? Even if they're not necessarily abusive, there are sometimes we want to end our relationship with certain clients. And one of the ways that I can get my head around that is looking at the fallout from when that person comes. So mm-hmm. it may not even be what they do when they come in. I'm going to look at the ramifications after they leave. And so if you're dealing with a client that is causing distress to you and your team, right? That's a problem. The psychological toll of dealing with an abusive person, it it varies individual to individual, but it's important to remember that even if a client's threats don't upset you, if they're giving your front desk anxiety or giving them problems, that's something you need to deal with. And so, so you may be someone who's comfortable with confrontation. You may be a brawler, you know, and you're okay with that. (laughs) But if your technician is the one who gets hammered every time this person comes in and she's not that way, you're, you may be standing by and letting her be abused. Like you may be Mm -hmm. letting her be damaged Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me. It doesn't matter if it would bother you. Like you've got to, and this is a big thing I said to practice owners and managers. This is when you step up and you look out for your staff. And if you don't step up and look out for your staff, then you're going to lose them and you should lose them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is, this is one that's often hard for managers because um, it's, it is very much a shade of gray and it's like, well, is, are, is this really, um, how it's coming across or is it one person's perception of of the situation and so for me this is a a great zone where I tend to try and talk to um, the team as a whole and if I have more than one person who is like yeah this this client is a total jerk um, I it, it 
it's a lot easier to flip that switch and say, I'm going to fire this client. But even if it doesn't feel easy to you, I don't think that you can ignore their concerns. And I think that there needs to be a discussion with that staff member who's feeling that way so that they feel supported and that they feel heard because they are just as important, if not more important than how the client feels in this situation. They need to feel supported. Agree completely. Recurrence is a big thing for me here. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's rare for somebody to come in again. As long as we're not hitting those abuse buttons, you know, uh, just racist, you know, intolerant bigotry uh, yeah. language stuff like that. As long as they're or physical violence stuff like that. So we're not hitting those big things. Someone comes in and they're truly horribly nasty without going all the way to those things. Generally, I. I can't imagine a situation where I really go to action there um, unless my team was extremely upset. Generally what happens is someone will come in and behave that way. And then we'll have this problem again in three months mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. six months. And they go, okay, every time you come here, I'm dealing with uh, hurt team members or upset team members. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big deal. Um, so yeah, that that's just one of the hard things when I look at, Distress for you and your team. What I'm really talking about too, when I when I say distress, if if you and you've had this, if you have a client when you see them on the books, you, <laughs> see, you know what I mean. You see them coming in tomorrow. If you go home, and that bothers you, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about it at home, my friends, this is a problem. Like, mm-hmm. this is not okay. If your staff sees it and they talk about it and it wrecks the day for them before the person comes in or until that person comes in, it's just hanging over their heads that mm-hmm. this person is coming in. Guys, that's a flag for me. Those are the things I'm looking at as when I talk about the distress that it's causing to you and your team. If mm-hmm. it's tanking the day before the, this person comes in, that's because everybody knows how this person's going to behave. And you don't get that when you come in one time and blow up. You get that by coming in and being consistently horrible so that people across the practice have had this experience. That's mm-hmm. a problem. That's a flag. Yeah. That's somebody who needs to go. Yeah. I think I love this this next um, this next one that you have because you've, you've got three really good ways to kind of look at the ongoing interactions with these clients. And this next one, I, I will say, and I don't know if you if you know this, but I heard you tell a story um, at a conference um, about this, about the idea of undue influence on the practice. Um, and I think it's one of the most profound lessons that I have learned from you, actually. Um, in our time time working together, you have um, a great story about this one, and I I I can't wait for for us to talk about this one. All right. Well, now I feel great pressure to to <laughs> to tell it. So I I do have a story. It's a it's a bit of a journey. So I I probably won't. I hate to deprive people of it. It's like I'm probably not going to tell tell the whole, the whole thing. You're going to have to come and see me talk about this mm-hmm. at, at a point. But essentially, it go it goes like this. Um, Think about the nastiest client that you have in your practice. Think mm-hmm. about the, just, just the absolute most horrible person to deal with that comes in your practice. So think about that person. Now, think about the best client you have. Think about your favorite client who you absolutely love to see. Just wonderful. Imagine the smile on that person's face and the cookies that he or she brought in <laughs> just because you guys are awesome, right? Now ask yourself... Which of these two people has a bigger impact on how you operate your clinic? And I guarantee the vast, vast, vast majority of people listening to this uh, podcast said number one. It's the the awful person. The person who screamed and just raised hell. That person affects the way you run your clinic. You have meetings to talk about the fact that this person was unhappy with the prices. You have meetings because this person was unhappy with the wait time. You have meetings because this person couldn't get the appointment that he wanted. You have meetings and you talk about these things. Meanwhile, the person who is amazing, who you think is fantastic, who you wish you could clone, who you just want to find more clients like her, she didn't even get discussed. You don't even think about what she loves about your practice. You don't even think about how to do things that will attract more people like her. You don't even think about what it is that makes her happy so that you can better serve her. 
that those conversations don't happen because she's not the one who's being nasty to us. That's a problem. And so undue influence in the practice, this matters. If you're addressing problems brought to you again and again by someone who's not nice, I, I think that that's a missed opportunity. The point, guys, in, in everything we talk about in growing your practice, it's not about you being book solid all day, every day. That's not the point. That's not the goal. Mm -hmm. The goal is for you to be book solid with people that like you and see value in what you do and respect you. And mm -hmm. guys, that is the path to a meaningful career that will make you happy. That is how you get to work with people who uh, see value in you and who follow your recommendations. And you're actually working with pet owners that do the stuff that you recommend. Mm -hmm. But that's not the default. And if you let your life get cluttered up with the people who are horrible and who beat you up in order to get what they want, you will never have the thing that I'm saying you should aspire to. You will have an appointment schedule that may be full, but it will not be the appointment schedule that's full of people who want to see you and will drive past three other people, three other clinics to get to yours. Because that, ladies and gentlemen, that is success. That's what we aspire to. And so if you're making changes to your practice to make the angry, toxic people happier there, that is a mistake. Forget those guys. Right? And, and so I think that when I, when I heard you talk about this in a lecture, I, it was funny to me because I, I can recall the exact moment that I heard you talking about this and it hit me and I'll tell you guys why it hit me. It hit me because... I had a light bulb moment where I felt like I'm a really bad manager. And here's why. And I know, I know that I'm not, but here's why I was feeling like I was a bad manager because I thought that I was a pretty good manager and I felt like I'm pretty good at supporting my team. If they feel like there is distress, I am pretty good about firing clients. I am not afraid to have the confrontation. I am not afraid to tell clients that it's unacceptable behavior and you would be better suited um, by finding veterinary care elsewhere. I felt like I was doing a great job for them because I was backing them up and I was not afraid to fire clients when needed. But what I realized in that moment was that I was considering and giving a lot of weight to those squeaky, squeaky wheel clients. The client who comes in once every three years and yells and rants and raves at my front desk about the cost of veterinary care. Why do I care what that client thinks? They come in once every three years and all they're coming in for is vaccines. They would be better off um, getting veterinary care at a vaccine clinic. And that's a real hard and fast truth. And that was really hard for me to think about is like, why am I caring what this client thinks when I have, you know, Mrs. Jones who comes in and brings the entire team donuts from our favorite donut store in town because she was here and saw how chaotic it was yesterday and just wants us to feel better about how the rest of the week is going to go. Why don't I place more value on how can I better serve those clients? And that was super, super eye-opening for me. Yeah. You can't be all things to all people, so own it. And mm -hmm. be all things to the people that matter. Mm -hmm. That's that's the game. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, so that's, that's the second part of sort of assessing the clients that we have. Um, mm -hmm. If they cause distress to you and your team, undue influence to the practice. And the third one is if they're creating an unpleasant experience for other clients, if you have clients who come in, I'm not saying they're being abusive to other clients, but I'm saying that every time they come in, they upset other clients. Or if they're, I remember seeing th this, this guy one time was in the clinic and he, he had his dog on a leash and it was a big dog. And I, I don't think the dog was being aggressive. I think he just wanted to play with other dogs. And there was a very nice pet owner checking out and this guy comes out and his dog tries to get to the other dogs and he starts screaming at the other pet owner to get out of the blank way. And I was like, that's it. Nope, 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 nope. You know, um, you cannot negatively affect the experience of other people. If you want to come in and be uh, a jerk, we'll deal with that but you do not get to turn off other clients so that they're not going to come back. That is not damage that you are allowed to do to my practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that this one is an important one to 
think about as well. Like we, um, <clears throat> we talked in the last episode about um, needing to remove the audience from these kind of clients. They're the same kind of clients who, when they come in and they're voicing their um, displeasure with how things are going, are like looking left and right, trying to see who in the lobby is paying attention to them. I, I think it is so important to think about what the experience is like for those other clients when this client is involved. And if that's the kind of client they are, if they're seeking an audience or they um, they inadvertently or intentionally are um, causing harm to another client's experience, like I think that that has to have a good amount of weight. And I love that that's part of your system. Yeah. So those are sort of the things that, that I'm looking for. So I, we sort of walked through the checklist of of things that that may trigger me to be like, yep, this is abuse. And we looked at at sort of looking at clients that we have and sort sort of saying, have they crossed that line? Are they uh-huh. causing fallout that makes me believe uh, that they are toxic and they are damaging our practice and 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 doing business with them in the future is actually hurting us. And so we sort uh-huh. of walked through that sort of stuff. And now now we're to the point where like say so you make that decision. And we say, I have a toxic client. Either it's because of something acute that they did, meaning they were threatening, they were physical, they said things that are just not okay, it's a one strike, you're out type thing. Or or because I have this chronic problem, this person is always unhappy and everyone is is upset or bothered when they're going to come in. It's time to dump them. It's mm-hmm. time to terminate this relationship. And so headspace things, remember we always talk headspace before we talk tactics and strategy. Headspace for this is I want to do this coming from a place of compassion. And that may sound nuts, but it's not. And part of it, this plays very well into being effective. I um, I do not want to get mad and fire a client. Like that's probably not going to go well. One of my mm-hmm. sort of favorite sayings is um, – you, you can, uh, getting mad is easy. Getting mad at the right person at the right time in the right place in the right way is impossible. And, and I think that that's true. So clear head for this and come from a point of compassion. This person is unhappy. They are Mm -hmm. obviously a hurt person. I want to help them. We are not making them happy. They need to be liberated to go and find someone else who can better meet their needs. The guy that shows up every three years to get a vaccine, like Stephanie said, who comes in and is horrible to the staff, he should be set free to fly to the vaccine <laughs> clinic and get the shot and just be done and leave everyone alone. Like, that's what he should be liberated for. And so I, I'm serious when I say I want to come from a point of compassion. I'm going to make it about serving them. I want what's best for you. And that's not coming here anymore. And so I'm going to help you with that. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm as I'm going to try to make, try not to make moral judgments about the person, right? I am not going to be like, I'm definitely not going to communicate. This person is a horrible person. I always say, I try not to judge people's character. I try to to judge the decisions that they make. And then when that person comes in and they're yelling, I don't want to say that's a horrible person, even though I've said that a number of times on this podcast. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to believe it's a horrible person. I want to believe this is a person who is consistently making bad choices and they have led us to a place where we cannot have a business relationship. And so I'm going to try not to make moral judgments, but rather make judgments on this person's decisions so that I don't escalate the problem. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say to a pet owner, you are an abusive jerk and I don't want to see your face again. Instead, I'm going to say something like, we don't allow people to use language like that towards our staff. We will therefore no longer be able to serve you as your veterinary health care provider. That's it. Again, it's taking the judgment out. Generally, there's two approaches that we use to firing clients, right? So one of them, it it depends on the problem. It depends on, on how we got here. For the acute incident, this is the one where um, there is a zero tolerance policy. This person right. has, they're making threats, actual or, or physical. Uh, they're talking violence, racial slurs, uh, aggressive or obscene language, uh, stuff like that. Right? They come in and they just one strike, you're out. You're like, no, no, no. Yep. You are not coming back here. Right? In these instances, it's, it's best to communicate a clear message that the client's behavior is not acceptable and that you're ending the relationship. Just 
be clear and be concise. Do not attack them as a person. Do not argue with them. Do not give them an extended explanation. They don't deserve that. They don't mean it. Say it, mean it, be done, right? Mm -hmm. Deliver the message in writing if you can, because it's got the extra benefit of documenting your position. And also it, it's not putting you in a place where this person can attack you again. So I love an email or a letter that says, this is our decision. Um, we, we are, we are not going to be your veterinarians anymore. I've, you've got it documented. You know, when you sent it and I hate to even say this, but alert law enforcement, if you need to don't, mm -hmm. don't mess around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this is this is where um, a lot of times, particularly if the client is in the building, it's a, it's a lot easier to think about how do we deal with this if we're um, entertaining a client over the phone or we're having to make a phone call to them um, because we have the ability to get in the headspace and know, think about what we're going to say. But when you have a client that is being confrontational, I mean, even if they're not threatening violence, um, if they're being confrontational in your lobby and you need to ask them to leave, it's it's hard um, sometimes to react in, in that kind of situation. And I think you you were so right on when you said you just got to be clear and concise. And you, I, I have used um, giving them two choices. I am giving the choice of um, you, I, I cannot allow this behavior to continue on the, uh, uh, in the practice. I need to ask you to leave. And usually they, um, when, when someone is that irrational, there will be some sort of response about, well, you, you know, you have to take care of my pet or whatever. And I'll say, I, I, I understand that that's what you want, but you have a choice right now. You can either leave or I can call the police and they can come and escort you out of the practice. But either way, I need you to leave the practice. Like you need to be very clear about what it is that you, um, want from them. And then even if they leave, even if they're like, fine. And they storm out, like a lot of times I talk to managers and they're like, this situation happened. This client went off the rails. They stormed out of the practice. My next question to them is what is your follow-up? Because there has to be follow-up to that. There has to be some sort of in writing. Um, I like email and I like um, sending a certified letter because like Andy said, then you have documentation and proof should it come to that um, about what steps you took in documenting everything in the chart to say, hey, we can no longer service your veterinarian. Here's a copy of your records. I hope that um, you know, you're able to seek care for fluffy elsewhere yeah i i agree and and in some cases if the person is wildly irrational you may just sort of be conciliatory to get them to leave and then follow up later and say hey yes. this happened we will no yes. longer be your veterinarian uh it, it's up to you if you have i mean i'm imagining a 6'4 250 pound guy that's throwing chairs uh you know i, I and maybe the best thing is to stand up. And again, it's, it's purely with the situation. It may be to say you need to leave, or obviously at that point you're calling the police. It may be something where they're going to scream and I'm going to try to get them to calm down and they storm away. And I never had to actually ask them to leave, but I'm still going to follow up. Even though I didn't ask them to leave, I'm still going to follow up and close that door. Yes, absolutely. So that's the absolutely. acute problem. Be, the big takeaways for me, be concise uh -huh. and be done. Mm -hmm. say this happened this is not acceptable we will no longer be providing you with services mm -hmm. please let us know where you would like your records sent or you may stop by and pick them up mm -hmm. bam mm -hmm. done signed don't debate yeah. it don't discuss it don't get into the weeds with them be yeah. done right and, and, if, and, and if they and it, and if they call if they had question if they come back it's what's called the broken record defense. I teach this a lot when I do social media, when I talk about, um, you know, cyberbullying, online shaming, things like that. Do not let them draw you into a big discussion of this. Stick to your points. Know what they are. You did these things. That is not acceptable. We are not able to service you and your pets anymore. Please let me know where you would like your records. Set. That's kind of freaky. It's like we're reading each other's minds because that's what I was going <laughs> to I was going to say, I was going to say, don't argue, just repeat yourself. Say, I, I understand that I need to ask you to leave, keep it clear and concise and just repeat yourself over and over. Yeah. It's the, it's like I said, it's the broken record defense. The, the, there's two reasons we do that. Okay. So number one is it, it 
hammers that message home because that's mm-hmm. all that you will mm-hmm. say. The other thing is that when we are dealing with people like this in the modern era, the more that you talk to them and you elaborate, the more material you are giving them to try to hang you with in the court of public opinion. They will be looking for whatever they can find. And again, maybe not all, and maybe I'm being too critical, but this is like teaching a self-defense course, so I'm just going to paint the worst picture. They are Mm -hmm. looking for anything they can find to use against you in uh, a Facebook group, in the court of public opinion, in, Mm -hmm. you know, they may try to sue you. Uh, They are looking for uh, handholds, things to grab onto. Don't Mm -hmm. give it to them. Nail your story down. Repeat it. Don't get drawn off of it. So Mm -hmm. that's the, uh, that's the acute problem. That's the client, the one strike you're out. And I think, I think most often that isn't the client that we're dealing with in practice. Most often, I think we, we are dealing with the chronic problems, right? They're, they're the, I'm thinking of a client in my head right now who, you know, every time they come in, the entire team afterwards is like, ugh, I can't Mm -hmm. even with that client. Those, those are the ones we're most often dealing with. And so I think that, um, I think that you've got some, I think that there's some great points with this one in terms of how to deal with a chronic problem because everybody has an occasional bad day. And so I think where you have to look at it is, is it a bad day every time they come to your practice? (laughs) You know, because if if that, if that's the case, this is how you're operating now. Like this is, you are creating that client. And so you have to make that judgment call of, you know, did their pet die under the table and it uh, on the table and it is completely understandable that they had an irrational response and they, you know, lost it when you were talking to them about it? Or is this a, this client is in practice, you know, twice a month because they've got a chronic um, meds case pet that needs a lot of care and every single time they come in, it's something else. Yeah, Those are the clients that you have to think about. How do you how do you, what, what is that point? When is enough enough? Yeah. And, and that's a, that's the question. That's a, it's a balance. Do not make a rash decision here, but at the same time, do not blow off your staff and their feelings. And if they're upset every time this person leaves and it's, and it's taken a toll on them at some point, enough is enough. And it's time to let this person go. And so the way that, that I tend to handle these clients, the, the chronic offenders is I, I, I think it's important to reach out and act like you're doing them a favor. I like to reach out like like I'm offering a service. I'm going to talk about their experience. I'm going to talk about how I want them to be happy and how how our clinic is not making that happen. Um, I'm going to tell them they they need to find care elsewhere uh, and and let them know I'm happy to help them do that and I can send their records wherever they want. So a uh, specific mm-hmm. specific wording I might use. In a, in a case like this, I'll say something like, it's important to me that you're happy with the veterinary services that you receive. And our practice doesn't seem to be meeting your needs. At this point, I don't feel that continuing our relationship is, as your veterinarian makes sense. I believe you need to find another veterinary care provider who can serve you better. We will completely support you in this transition and will transfer your records to you or to another veterinary clinic or both. Thank you for giving us the chance to serve you up to this point. And is that it is important to me that you are happy. And I don't believe our clinic is making you happy or meeting your needs. At this point, it's time for you to find another veterinary health care provider. And I am happy to support you in that. And granted, depending on the individual, we may have to be a little bit more firm. But you get the general idea of how I make this about your needs are not being met. You're not leaving here happy. We are not servicing you in a way that seems to be acceptable to you. And, uh, and, and it's not, it has not, this relationship is not beneficial for us. And so we're going to end our relationship. And so I guess, um, one of the things that I want to talk about, um, with this point is, is something that I see a lot, um, discussed in my manager groups, which is like, how, how do you, how do you make, this call are you are you calling them are you sending them a letter are you doing a combination of the two and I think that's where a lot of a manager struggle is like okay we know that this is a chronic um bad behavior client or a chronic uh, the staff is just exhausted every time this client comes in because it's drama every time um what is the best 
way to handle this situation. And one of the questions that I usually ask myself and that I ask other people when talking about this situation is as the practice leader, whether you're the practice owner, practice manager, whoever's responsibility it is to deal with the decision making when it comes to firing clients, have you talked to this person and have you told them why their behavior is unacceptable? And if the answer is no, getting a letter in the mail or getting an email saying that you're fired as a client out of the blue is often going to give them that ammunition to go leave bad reviews on every online site possible because you are blindsiding them. And that's where I think we um, often are too afraid to pull the trigger to fire clients because um, we haven't had the hard conversation with them and we don't want them to feel like it's coming out of the blue. And so that's where I, I usually will call them and have a conversation with them and just say, Hey, you know, Mrs. Smith, I was having a conversation with um, Dr. Rourke, you know, after your visit this week, it seems like um, when you come in, um, you are frustrated with the care that you're, you're um, receiving. And I give them concrete examples that I have and let them know when you, when you acted this way, when you use this language, whatever it is that is causing the problem, give them a specific example and then let them know this, this behavior is unacceptable. Um, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna give you one more chance. And I sometimes will even just say, cause everybody has bad days and I totally understand that. And I hope that this was just a, a bad day for you, but I need you to know that this kind of behavior is unacceptable. And if it continues, we will no longer be able to provide veterinary care for you. And I let them know that it's coming. And then in that case, I have no problem just sending them a letter. If I wasn't, if I wasn't there when they came in, if I, wasn't there to take the phone call when they called hacked off about something. I don't have a problem just sending the your fired letter if I've already had that conversation with them. But if no one has had that conversation and laid out the expectation for what kind of behavior you need from them, I don't always know that it's appropriate to just to just fire them because I think that that often hands them more ammunition. I I agree. This is hard because we're talking about an abusive person and no mm-hmm. one wants to pick up the phone and call an abusive person. Now, mm-hmm. let me walk it back. If we're talking about the acute incident and this person mm-hmm. is being is physically threatening you, I don't think you need to get on the phone call uh, with right. this person. You know, I, I, yeah, I yeah. don't. 100%. If this is a person who has had bad behavior again and again and again in your clinic, I do agree yeah. that uh, an email or a letter coming out of the blue firing them seems jolting. I think one of the things that makes this phone call, which you're talking about, which I agree with, one of the things that makes it easier is this, okay? Once you come to the place where you say, I am comfortable firing this person, if they never come back again, I am okay with that. That makes this call much easier because Mm -hmm. now what are they going to do? You're like, what if they scream at me? Then you hang up the phone and you send them a letter firing them and you feel good. Like you revenge is a dish best served cold. Send (laughs) on the email. Like, like that's it. You hang it up. You sleep like a baby knowing that you, that you did like they showed you again, this is the right decision. And so you do it. Sticks and stones, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I do agree with that. When we go back to what I talked about at the beginning about we train a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're, they're, they're like children. They're pushing to see what they can get away with. And every time they try this bad behavior and they benefit from it, like at some point they're, they're looking to see where the boundary is. If yeah. the boundary is an email out of the blue that says we'll never see you again, uh, that, that's up, upsetting. It is amazing. Anyone who's, who's fired clients can tell you the percentage of people when you let them go who try to come back is amazing. It's incredible how many people, after you let them go, they want to come back. And there are these people who have these bad behaviors and they get slowly worse and worse and worse. And the one time that you call and you say, this is your, this is your first and also your last warning. And I wouldn't say it that way, but we call them up. We say, we heard about what happened today at the clinic. And mm-hmm. the truth is our staff has a hard time um, recovering after some of your visits. 
And mm-hmm. um, some of our staff has complained about the way that they're being treated. And we want to let you know that if we receive another complaint for our staff about this, we are going to have to terminate our relationship with you. Mm-hmm. I just want to let you know that that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot and- of times that will be, that'll be it. There will be people mm-hmm. who will straighten up and they will be on the best behavior of their life coming into your clinic because they have been called out. And again, mm-hmm. it's not a moral thing. I'm not saying you're a jerk. I'm saying this was the behavior. This is how our staff feels. This is what we're talking about. What if they get really mad and they leave the practice? That was the plan anyway. <laughs> that, that's not a lot. You can't lose here. You right. caught them. Right. And they get furious and they leave on their own. And they may do it. It's like the breakup. Like when you're, when you're going to break up with somebody and you're like, hey, uh, we need to talk. And they're like, I'm dumping you. I said it first. <laughs> That's fine. As long as this is over, you right? That you dumped me. I'm fine with that. Right. It's totally. So. It's totally true. It's totally true. And and that's where I think you need to you need to document it because I think you're totally right. It's amazing how many people will come back, and it's amazing to me how many times I get told about um uh an incident with a client, and when I look up the client file and I look back in the history, I'm like, oh this client was fired in 1999 because of this thing. And now we've let them come back. We're creating that monster. Like this is, this is where we do ourselves a disservice and we have to document it and you have to mean it. You can't say to a client, okay, this is your last chance and then keep giving them more chances. Like you have to to make that, that, that decision that this is okay. And you are willing to fire them. And then you have to be willing to stick to your guns because otherwise you are rewarding that bad behavior and you are creating the monster. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) So when you fire a client, generally one of four things happens. Okay. Number one, they go away. You fire Mm -hmm. them and they go away or they, Mm -hmm. Say, forget you, I'm finding another vet on my own. And then they leave. Yay. Yay. Yahoo. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> so they leave. All right, that's number one. Number two is they try to come back. And it is amazing, amazing what percentage of people will apologize and mm-hmm. ask if they can stay. I mean, I'm yeah. talking, generally it's 75%. That's anecdotal. That's, that's, that's my experience. Three out of four people who you fire will say, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize, or I had a terrible day or I am just, I didn't realize I was, I was coming off that way. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm really sorry. Three Mm -hmm. out of four people in my opinion will try to come back or they will ask if they can come back. Um, they will, um, they may beg consider that on a case by case basis. You know, there may be some people like the guy that we trained and we tell him and he goes, Oh, 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 well, yeah, I, I, I hear you. All right. Yeah, I'll, 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 I won't do that again. And then maybe we give him another chance and we say, yes, you can come back in. And then he's got a zero tolerance policy there thereafter. You do this mm-hmm. one more time, buddy. You step out of line and you're done. But just know that a lot of people will apologize and ask to come back, especially if you don't attack them as a person when you make the split in the relationship. I see this a lot when I get um, client feedback. So for those of you guys who are doing um, client client surveys after your visits, I see it a lot where they just rip a new one and go off and their inappropriate behavior didn't occur in the visit or in the practice, but just like they let loose in their survey. And when I call them and I have a conversation with them and I, um, you know, just say, hey, I, 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 I want to hear what happened. Often the first thing out of their mouth was, you know, I'm really sorry. I was really, really upset when I was checking out or I was really upset when I wrote that and I've had some time to think about it. And I realized that that was inappropriate. Like a lot of times the apology comes comes right off of the bat from those kind of people. And I think that's really where you have to consider it case by case, because sometimes for for people, it is it is a bad day and it is a um it is a, a one-off and those are like what I think are the acute situations um, that aren't like the acute full stop situations. They're the ones where you had a client who was just nasty to your CSR when they were checking out and then, um, you know, your CSRs told you about it and and I call that client and I could be could be ready to, to fire them. But when they, um, you know, tell me what it was that they were upset about 
and you you sense some bit of rationality in them, it could have been a bad day. They could be getting a divorce and they share that with you or whatever. Like those kind of things are the ones where you have to decide overall, is this a, is this a decently good client? And we had one acute instance. And so I'm going to, I'm still going to set the bar. I'm still going to tell them that this kind of behavior and be very explicit in the type of behavior that they use, give them a concrete example that this is unacceptable in the future, but you can give them second chances. Totally. And it's case by case basis. So number one, they go away. Number two, they, they ask if they can come back. Number three, they pretend that it never happened and they just keep showing up. And, <laughs> and that's exactly what you're talking about before. It's like in office space when they fired Newman um, and he just keeps coming to work and no one turned off his, his pay. And so he's, he's just drawn a paycheck for years after being fired. Um, I, I don't think they, I don't think they, they actually let him know he was fired. But anyway. Anyway, there are people, you will fire them. You will say, you are not welcome here anymore. And then six months later, they'll just book their wellness appointment and come in like nothing happened. And honestly, if they show up and behave themselves, we might go along with the ruse. Um, Mm -hmm. That's really it. It's like Mm -hmm. they booked the appointment. They weren't supposed to, and they did. And they came in. And it's like, well, if this is what it took to get them to straighten up and fly right, we, we may just not speak of this incident and go forward. But again, zero toler- tolerance policy, you know, after, mm-hmm. after that. And there may be some people who pretend it didn't happen and just show up and their offense may have been so grave that you're not okay with that. And there may mm-hmm. be people who continue to show up and be horrible, at which point we may need to set it up uh, with a pop-up notification that tells the front desk not to book their appointments. And yeah. just, just to tell them. And I, I have like, that seems bonkers to me. I have totally seen it. I, I have, I have been in that situation and actually it was a client who had been fired and there was an alert on their account and I had a brand new CSR who was in training. And so she um, was brand new and she skipped right past the reminder and scheduled the appointment. And then the, nobody caught it until the actual morning of, and the client shows up and, and then one of the longtime staff who knew exactly who this client was buzzed up to me and was just like, uh, you're never going to guess who's here. And when they told me, I was like, oh no. And then, then I had to go in and have that conversation in, in the exam room. And I just let them know, you know, I'm really sorry that this even happened. You know, as I told you previously, we can no longer provide you veterinary care. Um, you know, we had a new team member who made a mistake and scheduled your appointment, but that, um, you know, should not have happened. And I'm, I'm very sorry, but we cannot provide you care. And sometimes you have to have that hard conversation <laughs> and it sucks. But that's where I think we... Um, we need to do a good job about documenting so that we avoid that mistake in the future because it is amazing to me how many people will show up and pretend like it never happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it is amazing. It totally happens. And so that's number 3 and then number 4 is uh the fourth type of fault is they'll go after your reputation. And mm. so what that means is they they'll they'll retaliate. Someone who gets fired, they will get mad. And it's usually through online reviews or social media, they're going to go after you and they'll, they'll write a negative review. You, the good. So how do we think about this? And this is a real concern. A lot mm-hmm. of people out there are like, I should fire this client, but, but, but how do they're going to tear me up online or they're going to go say these horrible things. Okay. Yeah. At, at this point, I, I lean to some Buddhist teachings. Uh, and you guys may have heard me talk about this before. Ultimately, Life is hard and life is full of suffering and our greatest empowerment in this life is choosing how we suffer. And so how do you want to suffer? Do you want to suffer because this nasty, toxic person comes into your practice every two or three months and screams at you and your staff and disrupts everyone's day and makes them nauseous and they're going to continue to do that for the rest of your career? Is that how you want to suffer? Or... Do you want to suffer by firing this client and having them write horrible things about you on the internet, which will disappear from everyone's consciousness, you know, in a week. And if they write an online review, they will, you will now have a one star review to go with your 37, five star reviews, right? Is, is that how you want to suffer? 
And so pick how you want to suffer. And to me, retaliation is a thing. It exists. Um, if the threat of retaliation is greater than the benefit of firing the person, then maybe you don't fire them. I have rarely ever found that to be true. Generally, when I look at the cost to me of keeping the person versus the cost of letting them go and risking them bashing me online, the decision is easy. The good thing is if you have a type of person who is a toxic person, who is the type of person that you would want to fire, generally what happens is if they do post a negative review, they will exhibit the exact behaviors that got them fired from your practice. And every reasonable person who sees that review will say, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I see what happened there. That, that mm -hmm. I, that's that's what will happen is honestly the the toxic people will leave a toxic review and rational people will look at it and see exactly what it is and mm -hmm. and put no weight in it they'll take it with a grain of salt that is mm -hmm. that is what I have found to be true mm -hmm. but, and I I think that's totally true and I th I think about it um when I think about Yelp and I've had conversations with so many managers and when then when Yelp comes up it's like oh God Yelp okay but here's the thing is that um. I think a lot of people who who do use it, um, and it is a very helpful service. Like you can, like you said, you can see that. Like you can you can spot the crazy in some of those reviews. And the other thing that I look at is that when I see a particularly nasty review, and I'm not even talking for my hospital, but like for another business, when I see a particularly nasty review, I look at the other reviews that that person has written, and if they are all awful then it's a lot easier to discount what is being said. But if you have the person who generally um, has really good reviews and they clearly had a bad experience here, then I then I might take that under consideration. And so I think that's where we don't need to be so fearful because they are going to exhibit those behaviors and they're going to paint themselves in that way, even if they even if they go online. And like you said, if you've got a lot of good reviews, you should be able to absorb the one outlier without, um, you know, any ill effect. Yeah. There was a research study out of Stanford that I saw uh, earlier this year. And essentially what they did was they looked at people and they asked them about trust in businesses and they showed them online reviews. And what they found is that businesses that have a five star rating on like Yelp or Google reviews actually didn't have all that much trust. People looked at that and thought it was too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And that this was probably a bunch of their friends or, you know, like mm -hmm. we just don't believe that any business is going to have a five-star review. What they yeah. actually found was that businesses that have a 4.5 star rating are the most trusted businesses. It was 4.2 to 4.5 uh, with a high number of reviews. Those were mm -hmm. the most trusted businesses. No one That's expects true. you to have 5.0 rating. It, you know, they just, they just don't. If you have lots of reviews and you're at four and you're in the fours, you're solid, you know, there's, there's, there's good enough, um, is, is what I've, is what I found in sort of what the research supports. Breaking up is hard to do. Breaking <laughs> up is so hard. <laughs> but Thank I really you. hope I, yeah, I really hope that today was, was helpful for some of you guys who shot client firing clients is hard, man. I have been there and it, it's a hard decision. But you can do it, and and often you can do it in a way that that has very little fallout and feels very smooth. You just have to try and approach it from a clear and level head, I think. And I, I feel like we we walked through this one pretty good. I'm, I'm interested to to see. Hopefully, it helps some of you guys who are struggling with this one. Oh, I definitely hope so. so. Thank you. Next, I'm so flipping grateful to fax your records away. All right, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> <laughs> guys have a great week we'll see you next week bye guys <laughs>